Hey, welcome to the Covenant Courses podcast. My name's Weston Brown, and this is a unique podcast experience where each week we're going to tackle a new lesson covering themes of Christian theology and doctrine and practice. But rather than simply presenting a lecture, um, we invite you into a dialogue between myself and my co-host, Taylor Dwarren. This is actually week one of a 12-week course we're calling Logos Foundations of Effective Bible Study. You can engage with this course on a couple of different levels. First, you can simply listen to the podcast as you're doing and as we hope you do each week. But if you want to take it a step further, you can download our course syllabus as well and also engage with some reading assignments each week. Um, Whatever level you choose, we really hope that these podcasts are meaningful and helpful to you. And if you have any questions or if we can be a help in any way to you, please feel free to email me at weston at covenantshreveboard.org. All right, let's get into this week's introductory lesson. You know, both Christians and non-Christians are asking big questions about the Bible, and, and not just questions about what's in the Bible, but questions about what the Bible actually is. So let's jump into our dialogue this week as we begin tackling some of those big questions. Taylor, I'm, I'm curious for you, just in your own journey, how did, how did you first start interacting with the Bible and... Did you find it to be, uh, I mean, did you feel like you knew what to do with it? I mean, I, hmm. I, mean, I know you went to like a Christian school growing up. Did, right. did that prepare you or did your church as a kid prepare you to? Yeah. Um, yeah, I went to a Christian school, uh, went to a Christian high school, but also was part of a Roman Catholic school from, I don't know, the age of 12 maybe. So hmm. I had plenty of plenty of school, plenty of education under the umbrella of the church, Um but I would not say I knew what to do with the Bible for years. I mean, until fairly, fairly recently. And by that, I mean the last three, maybe four years. Mm-hmm. But growing up, the Bible was presented in a, a few different ways. Um, but the main thing that sticks out to me, I was actually thinking about that this morning. One of the main things that, that sticks out that I don't know is if it's as prevalent today was the like the bumper sticker Christianity or like the coffee mug you know, the, the scripture for every, every situation, every event, Mm. that was one of the biggest things, which kind of led me to believe that the thing you do with the Bible, the way you treat the Bible is either this little manual, like a tech manual for life or, or kind of like a, a a go-to grab bag. Like if you just know enough of the Bible, you have a scripture for every issue in life, every situation in life. And so that was the way that if I did approach the Bible, that was the way I did it for years after, you know, after having kind of a a conversion experience in high school, I wouldn't say that I had, that I was necessarily following the way of Jesus or living in a way that displayed that for years after that, because I just never knew enough about it. And that was coming from somebody who had a family and two schools heavily involved in this, like with an emphasis on me. Mm. Yeah, and, and you can go to the bookstore and you can find these uh, these little books where you can look up different subjects. That's and, right, and get all of the all of the all the goodies Bible verses about that particular subject. You know, I want to find all the verses that relate to anxiety or yeah. fear or peace or whatever. 
And the crazy thing is I've, I saw that in action and was really impressed by it. I remember... What do you mean? Like in, in high school, I remember folks, and it, it could have been maybe some of my friend's parents or some of my teachers or whomever else, but I remember folks who knew enough of the Bible that if you had an issue or if someone around them had an issue, they could give a verse like that. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. And it was really impressive to me to think, wow, if I had this whole thing memorized there's literally nothing in life that could come at me that I wouldn't have a verse for. Mm. And I guess on the other side of that now, looking back at it, that's not, that's not totally wrong. I don't think that that's wrong, but I think maybe the approach is skewed in a way that I'm sure we'll get into uh, in this podcast. But one of the main things, one of the main differences is this is more reactionary and something happens to you and mm. you're prompted to like dig into your archives and find kind of your scripture band-aid for it mm. as, a, as a reaction rather than just walking through all of life and approaching every situation with the wisdom of God yeah. on your yeah. side. And so that I yeah. think is the main difference between how I grew up with the Bible and looking at the Bible mm. versus how I'm trying to apply the Bible in every aspect of my life right now. Yeah, it is sort of, uh, it's, it's maybe kind of like soundbite Christianity in a way. Yeah. Um, I think that there are a lot of people who have engaged with the scripture in that way. Um, and we'll talk some in the coming weeks about some some misconceptions about right. the the Bible and some ways that people sort of handle it that, like you said, are not totally wrong, but also um, are not the full story either. In in a sense, yeah. you know, it's like with what you're talking about, it's not wrong to pull out. I mean, there are some you know obviously great verses out there that deal with a variety of subjects, but it's um, it's not always helpful to just randomly pull out scripture verses. Um, and sometimes in doing that, we we wind up misusing them. That's we, right. we use them in a way that is not how they were intended to be used or understood. Yeah. You can really do a disservice both to the authors who mm-hmm. are writing this and to yourself mm-hmm. by missing a lot of that context. But it, but it illuminates that a lot of people are just confused about how to actually use the scriptures. And, and in particular, many Christians are confused about how to use the scriptures. Like, we're not talking about people who are uh, unchurched or uninterested in the things of, of God. Right. Um, we're talking about people who've grown up in the church or who have gone to Christian schools or universities. Yeah. Um, or even people who've been to seminary as well. Like, I, I've just found that um, there is a lot of... Um, a lot of differing opinions and a lot of confusion out there. And so part of our intention with this first course is to drill down to the bottom of some of that. And um, and some of those things aren't aren't even just like questions of how, how do we use the Bible or how do we study the Bible. Some of those questions are bigger uh, questions just related to uh, the Bible itself. Like, you know, how do we know that this is actually the Word of God. Sure. Like, how can we make a claim like that? Um, how can we in any way say that this this book is, this 2,000-year-old book is, or more, 3,000-plus-year-old uh, book is authoritative? Um, how do we know that the Bible we have today is the same Bible that people had 1,000 years ago or 1,500 years ago? Yeah. Um, you know, how, what do I do with all the like translations that are out there? Like if you go to the bookstore today, 
or hop on Amazon, I mean, there are seemingly thousands of different Bibles out there. Right. Like, what are what are the differences among yeah. all those Bibles? Is, yeah, is and everybody's this... got their favorite too. That's true. Which which have some differences that make you go, hmm. And we're going to talk about our favorite. <laughs> so we're no different nice. in that. Um, but but yeah, like you're 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 right on. Like there's um, there's a lot out there to sort of sift through and uh, parse through, and so we're going to try to do some of that, and we're going to try to answer some of those questions. And uh, ideally, the church is the place where you learn the answers to those questions, and you learn how to interact with the Bible, not just about the Bible, but you learn how to actually uh, engage with it on your own. And so that's that's a big part of our intention here. Yeah. So just to, just to give us a little bit of direction, today I want to start with, um, Taylor, just kind of a purpose statement for this course, and, and maybe we can take a moment to kind of divide this out a little bit and, and talk about it. But I'll just throw it out there to begin with, and then we can discuss it a bit. But our, our purpose statement is that by studying God's Word, we would become more fully formed followers of Jesus, who not only know the truths of Scripture, but are also able to live and declare those truths as we seek to make disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's maybe a little bit wordy, uh, but that's our our purpose statement. And uh, like the first part of this is... It, it, involves this this idea of studying the Bible. So, so not, yeah. not just reading the Bible. So how would you how would you define studying the Bible for somebody who's new to that concept? Yeah. Well I love I love the explanation that that you were giving, which is Bible study is something anything that you do with the Bible after you've read the text. So any any further step once you've read the Bible. Um, and that's what I think, and we were just talking about this. That's that's what's really interesting because if you would approach me out of the blue and say, "Hey Taylor, how do you study the Bible?" That answer looks different depending on the morning, and maybe depending on the time of day that I'm even getting into the Bible. It depends. Meaning, like you personally, how, right? How do, right. How does For Taylor me, study yeah, the Bible? yeah, that's right. There's a variety of ways that I do it, which would make it really hard to boil it down to like this is what I think is right, or this is the way you need to do it. Mm. It really is whatever you do with the Bible after you've read the Bible. And that could be a passage, hopefully not just a scripture, but it could be a passage, a chapter, a book. Um, it could be a series of books or, or maybe a, a topic or theme that you see, but it includes a lot of stuff, right? And so it, it includes maybe word studies. It includes um, journaling, like you mentioned, uh, meditation, there's a lot of things that you can do, but I, th- I think one of the first things would be putting people off from the idea that there's, there's one right way and this is what you got to do. It's, it, there's a variety of things that we can do here. Right. Yeah. And if you're not somebody who even reads the Bible now, I, step one, obviously, is to just get started right. and get your feet wet reading it. Our hope, though, for you is that there would be something more than just simply reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but if it's, if it's, if it's not something you do regularly now in terms of, of just, just reading it, then, then that really is step one. And I tell you, uh, just as a resource, I've, I've really, uh, we've been talking about this some, but there's some really interesting like readers editions of the Bible that are out now. Um, and in particular, the ESV has a, I think they call it the ESV Reader's Bible or mm. something like that. 
And um, there's another one uh, called Biblioteca. Um, and what's interesting about these is it uh, basically formats the scripture in a way that removes uh, a lot of the like chapter and verse nature of yeah. the Bibles that we engage with today, which, uh, if you're not familiar, is not something that's original to the biblical text. When it was originally written, uh, there were no chapters or verse numbers, or, or and, and in fact, much of it was just like if you if you read it in the original languages, uh, there, there's not even spaces between words yeah. either, and so um, we're engaging with the Bible every day in a way that is somewhat new. If mm-hmm. we're engaging with the Bible with chapters and verses, and sometimes that can be a bit confusing. Uh, some Bibles have headings as well that are not like original to the biblical text. And the headings are meant to be helpful, but sometimes they're not. Yeah. Um, or sometimes they can kind of color and shape our perce- perception of what's going on. Yeah. Not um, to mention that they, they may incidentally throw off a flow of thought mm. by, by really punctuating them. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Because when you, whenever you read a novel, for example, if you finish a chapter in a fiction, a fiction book, then that, that signals to you that something, something has ended and now something else is going to begin. Like there, mm-hmm. there's some sort of a natural break here. Um, and there are places in the scripture where that is true, where there is a natural break. And, and then there are places where it's not true. It's, it's a continuation of where we were before in the pre- preceding chapter. Yeah. Um, so that's something that can just be confusing. So all that to say, there are these reader's editions of the Bible that are out there that uh, I, think, I think make it easier for you to just sit down and read and just yeah. engage with it. Um, at that level. And um, if that's not something you're doing right now, you certainly don't have to have one of those uh, reader's editions to do this. But we'd really encourage you to just begin a Bible reading plan. And and we'll link in the show notes to uh, just some different ones that are out there that we like. Uh, Certainly, if you're not familiar with the Bible Project, um, they have, I think, a number of reading plans. Just a ton. Yeah. They have some really good ones. But the important thing Something that I just realized because we have one of these, um, we have one of these Bibles at home. It's actually the story, and it's an mm. NIV version. But you got to be careful when getting some of these because they don't all have the full Bible yeah. in text, and the story is one of them. It's it's portrayed in a story form, so they right. try to organize everything in a literary format that makes it a linear flow mm-hmm. and makes it easy to read straight through, which is great. But the downside of that is you don't have the whole of scripture from that cover to cover. You've got what's been chosen out of it to portray one story. Right. And we'll, we'll talk about some of that because the story that you're talking about, the story Bible, mm-hmm. is uh, essentially a paraphrase That's right. of the Bible. And, you know, we asked that question earlier, like, why are there so seemingly so many different kinds of Bibles out there? And the answer to that is, is these are all different translations of the Bible. The Bible was not originally written in English, right? It was written, Old Testament was written primarily in Hebrew. Yeah. Um, there's some Aramaic in there. The New Testament was primarily written in Greek. There's also some Aramaic in there. And the Bible was translated from its original languages. Uh, the Old Testament was originally translated first into Greek. Um, it, it's since been translated into Latin and into German and into English and into a variety of languages, um, all with some level of controversy yep. um, throughout church history. But uh, even today, 
we now have, I don't know, hundreds of English translations oh, of yeah. the Bible. Um, and within the world of translations, there is a spectrum. You have some translations that are literal, like word for word translations. And then you have some translations that are more like thought for thought translations. Mm -hmm. And then you have some that are more like paraphrases where we're taking larger chunks of the scripture and we're, we're just kind of summarizing yeah. it. In and a to sense. keep that in an accessible visual on your word for word side for the listener, you'd have something like the ESV. On your yeah. thought for thought side, you'd have something like the NIV. Mm -hmm. And then on the paraphrase side, you'd have something like the story or like the message. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, an old one is the Living Bible. That, that, that is one, an old yeah, one. Yeah, it was popular for, for years. Uh, yeah. That was a paraphrase. And so um, there's nothing wrong with reading those. Um, but, but if we're talking about studying the Bible, I think we want to we wanna be as close to the original text as we can possibly be. And so certainly using a more of a word-for-word -word type translation. The New American Standard is another one of those that's more of a word-for-word -word translation. Yeah. Um, there's a newer one called the CSB, which I think is sort of an in-between between a word-for-word -word and a thought-for-thought. -thought. So um, there are just different varieties and, and, and you know, kind of grades of these. And it's real confusing. Like if it's <laughs> if it's just not, if you're not nerdy about it, like it's I can see it being really confusing, especially uh, to just go to Barnes and Noble or something like that, um, and they've got all of these different kinds of Bibles. Mm -hmm. What what kind of Bible do I need? Yeah. One of the things I would recommend um, is that you get a great study Bible. Um, and if you're not familiar with what a study Bible is. A study Bible is a Bible that's not only going to include the actual biblical text, but it's also going to include notes and cross-references for the biblical text that are going to help you as you're reading it. Yeah. Um, so normally it's divided into sort of half pages. The top half of the page is the actual scripture. The bottom half of the page are the study notes, and those study notes correspond to verses in the scripture text. And if this isn't something you have, I'd really encourage you picking one up. Um, and they come in a variety of translations as well, as you can imagine. Um, we're, we're big fans of the ESV around here. The e English Standard Version is mm -hmm. what that means. It's what we use uh, on Sundays in our services. Um, and for most other things, it is more of a word-for-word -word translation, as uh, you mentioned a minute ago, Taylor. Um, but it, but it's also I think just a good readable word for word translation. The, yeah. the, the problem with word for word translations is the the more uh, close that the closer you get to the actual biblical text, the harder it is to read. That's right. Because uh, Hebrew and Greek word order um, and the way that sentences are structured is just different from the way that we put sentences together in English. And so the most extreme. Um, word-for-word -word translation is what's known as an interlinear yeah. translation, and it's virtually unreadable. It's, it's so diff. You have to have a crazy amount of familiarity with every passage to even decipher what's going on. And yeah, that's a lot That's a lot to do with word order. The Greek is famous, or infamous maybe, for just <laughs> throwing word order out of the window and yeah. basically taking the same sentence and putting it in 16 different ways and all kind of Yoda talk mm -hmm. to make it 
just unrecognizable and yet say the same thing. Yeah, which is why uh, we we arrive at all these different translations today to some extent. I mean, some of it's marketing, right? <laughs> some of it are Bible publishers who are just trying to sell Bibles. This one's got better maps in the back. That's right. Um, but but some of it is also just some some level of disagreement over how things are translated. Yeah. And I mean, translation is important. Like it really is because. Um, it really does shape your understanding of the text. I, I was uh, I was reading uh, the book uh, The Brothers Karamazov, which is a famous novel by uh, Russian author. Dostoevsky, um, it's you know this kind of great work of literature, and I was I was reading it uh, last year for the first time, and the edition that I had because this this is a book that was translated from Russian into English, uh, the edition of it that I had had this long kind of prologue that explained the translation process, and it 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 also was like. Um, it also explained why like previous translations were wrong mm-hmm. and and not wrong in the sense of they didn't translate the words correctly wrong in the way that like the tone of the novel was sort of presented yeah and um and in particular with with the brothers karamazov like the idea was that this is this is meant by dostoevsky to be like a sort of a darkly comic novel like mm-hmm. the it's not like haha funny but but there's like a comedic element to the novel and previous translations did not do as good of a job of communicating that tone which is really important when you're trying to understand and also enjoy mm-hmm. a novel and and so I found that fascinating and and much the same thing is going on with these different translations of scripture yeah it's not just are we adequately you know do, do we know that this word in the greek means this word in the english and, and sometimes that's not totally clear. Sometimes hmm. there's not an English word that perfectly translates what we see in the Greek. Um, but another important part of that, as you mentioned, because you were talking about, we do like the ESV here, and I have adopted myself into using that we, because formerly I, I'm a big proponent of the NIV, yeah. which is yeah. on the different side of that spectrum. Which what? The NIV came out in the 80s? In the ni- 80s Originally, or 90s? I think, yeah. yeah. The the one that I, I think it was the 80s and then again in maybe the mid-2000s or like yeah, two, yeah. 2006 or 7, 11 maybe. But mm-hmm. anyway, it is a thought-for-thought thought Bible, and it's important to recognize the differences in those, and we'll obviously get into it. But it's funny that you mentioned that with the Brothers Karamazov because the preface of that book is, here's how we translated it and here's why. Yeah. And any Bible that you've got at home will have a little bit of that information yeah, as well. And so in something yeah. like the ESV and the NIV, it's important at the very least to skim through that and note what kinds of things you're going to be seeing where these guys who carefully translated the NIV, right, whether you whether you like one over the other, the folks who are doing this translation are really doing their best effort to capture what they're trying to capture. And so in the in the example of the NIV, what they're trying to get is a thought for thought. And so poetry, as written in Scripture, will look a little different and will mm. read a little different as they try to capture 
the themes and the, the concepts behind poetry than maybe you'd see in the ESV, where it's really trying to go for a word for word. Some of that yeah. is one of the biggest differences. And that's one of the things that really captivated me with the NIV was it was a little more accessible for me. Right, right. But another thing with that, and this is something, you know, we may be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but if you have a favorite translation, which is fine, yeah, it is worth reading through Scripture multiple times regardless, mm-hmm. but it's also worth doing that using different translations. Yeah, use something yeah. you're not familiar with. Use something that's on a different part of the spectrum and just see how the text shows itself a little differently to you in some right. of maybe your favorite passages or some that you were less comfortable with or, or less maybe knowledgeable about the last time you read it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great advice. And um, we'll, as we get deeper into this, let's definitely look at, um, when we kind of get into the interpretation stage of how do we interpret the Bible, let's talk some about just how different translations can color and shape some of those things. But that that is to come. We'll talk about all yeah. that stuff. Um, back to our purpose statement. Wow, this, we got four words in. <laughs> <laughs> this idea that our, our intention is to study God's Word. That's, a, that's more than just reading it. Yeah. If we're not reading it, though, we've got to start somewhere <clears throat> and then move on. Uh, to some some deeper level of engagement with the Word of God, but th- but the point of this is not simply that we would become more knowledgeable. Um, it's it's that we would become more fully formed followers of Jesus, more fully formed disciples of Jesus, who not only know the truths of Scripture, but who are also able to live and declare those truths as we seek to make disciples. Yeah. So this is this is a holistic thing here. Like the idea is that we would not just become uh, more intelligent or puffed up with biblical knowledge or theological knowledge or doctrinal knowledge, but that we would actually be able to help other people embrace those truths and 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 that we would be people who live them out in our lives. Like this this famous verse of, of not being hearers of the word only, but also doers of the word. That's that's the goal here. Yeah is that as we study the scripture, that we're, we're being shaped and formed and changed, not just inwardly, but also outwardly. Yeah. And that has an impact on other people. You know what I love about this? What's implicit in the second part of this statement is that you will become a more fully formed follower of Jesus by reading all of the Bible. Yeah. And that's another yeah. thing. Yeah. I don't know if this is the way it was for you growing up, but... Uh, you have a lot of New Testament Christians right. where, you know, we'll we'll read the part that talks about Jesus. That other stuff, which is two-thirds of your Bible, yeah. um, is just in the past. That's older stuff. But what we're saying here and what I love is you're telling me that we can read Genesis or Leviticus yeah. or Ezra and become a more fully formed follower of Jesus. And what that points to yeah, yeah. is what we're claiming by what is in the Bible, and that is that it's a story that is about Jesus, and that culminates in Jesus. Yeah, for sure. And it might be helpful here to just kind of throw out a maybe a one-sentence definition yeah. of the Bible, which may be a bit of a fool's errand to try to <laughs> sum up the Bible in one sentence. But uh, our, our basic summation statement is that the Bible is primarily about the story of God, his revelation of himself to humanity, and his grand plan of restoration through Christ. That, that that ultimately is the purpose of the whole thing, Old Testament, New Testament, that it's all about God revealing himself to humanity and restoring humanity through Christ. Yeah. And I love that. Um, 
I, th- I think that's confusing, though, to people because there are seemingly all these other things in the Bible. Um, but at the end of the day, it really is the story of God. It's, it's not, for example, the story of Israel, even though a large chunk of the Old Testament and New Testament has to do with Israel. It's not like the Bible is an exhaustive history of the nation of Israel. Yeah. Like, like there are huge swaths of time that are left out. There, there are major areas of Jewish history that are left unexplored. Um, the, the history element that we get relates primarily to how God has revealed himself That's right. to his people. It's selective. Yeah, it is for sure. And so it's, um, it, it is about God and it is about what he has done and is doing through Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important for us to hold on to that as we go through. Uh, one of the things we're doing as well, uh, Taylor, is we have a course syllabus. So we've set this up a little bit like uh, like a college course. And so um, you can engage with this podcast on a number of different levels. Obviously, you can just listen to it. Um, but if you want to as well, we also have uh, some supplemental reading that you can do. Um, and each week, uh, we'll have a new episode that comes out. Each week, we've got some reading that we'll assign to you. We'll occasionally throw out some other resources as well that we think are helpful. And so we, we've linked to the syllabus in the show notes. But uh, this, this particular course, Logos Foundations of Effective Bible Study, is going to be a 12-week course starting this week. And um, we'll so, see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> that, may, that may be a bit ambitious. But we're uh, definitely going to, um, uh, yeah, engage with you guys uh, on a weekly basis. And we'd encourage you to not just listen, but to also be reading the scripture and putting some of the things that we're going to talk about into practice in your daily life. And if you have the opportunity, if you have the bandwidth, also doing some additional supplemental reading as well. And um, we'll have some of those resources available for you here at the church as well, if you want to pick up yeah. some of that. And a great well. thing would be if this sparks some conversation. I I love talking about this, both with you and with anybody. And I, I know you do as well, because we talk a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but it would be great to have some of this spark conversation just, you know, within our community. This is something that we should we should take more seriously and that we should really consider in a community uh, environment in a communal environment. That's the way that these scriptures were meant to be read and yeah. digested, and so it's important that we do that. Yeah. Uh, let's wrap up with just a few uh, maybe next steps for you this week. Um, we've already talked a little bit about just uh, if you're not somebody that reads the Bible regularly, to to make that a, a practice, and and our encouragement would be to to just make it a part of your daily life, to work it into your daily rhythm, even if you're starting at a real small level, if you're starting with five minutes or 10 minutes a day, um, that is definitely better than nothing. But remember, our goal is not simply to read the Bible, our goal is to study the Bible. So reading it and and then take one more step, take five more steps, um, it, it all depends on you and your bandwidth and um, uh, some things that we would throw out there, and we've mentioned some of these, but one is to engage with a Bible reading plan. I think that's something that's helpful because if you're just starting like on page one, Genesis 1-1, and trying to read the whole thing through, um, if you've ever done that before, you know, most people get lost by the time they get to, you know, Leviticus yeah. um, and give up. And so that may not be the best uh, course of action for you. So find a, a reading plan that works for you. And again, we'll link to some of those that we think are uh, worth you checking out. 
Another one we've mentioned is to journal. And, and I think this could, you could do this on a number of different levels. You could keep a prayer journal as you read, just things that uh, you're praying about. Um, you could just take notes as you read through the scriptures, things you feel like the Lord's bringing to mind. Um, even if you just wrote down key words or key verses that seem significant to you as you read, I think that for some of you out there, that can be really helpful to you if you're somebody that um, it's helpful to you to, to write things down. Um, another one is memorizing scriptures. Um, and, and I would just suggest, Taylor, um, just taking, taking one scripture a week mm-hmm. and committing it to memory. So as you're doing your daily reading, um, is there something that just really sticks out to you that you think, no, I'm, I'm going to, this is one of those I'm going to put on the fridge, right? Yeah. Like I'm going to, I'm going to really work on, um, a, a great one, <clears throat> excuse me, a great one to start there is starting with the Psalms. Yeah. Making yeah. the Psalms part of your daily reading, whether if it's just one, one Psalm a day, you know, there's 150, you can get through the book twice in a year if you really bear down on it. But starting with a Psalm or ending with a Psalm, that's, that's some, those are ripe for meditation yeah. and yeah. for memorization. And honestly, you don't have to go too much farther than Psalm 1 to get some real truth and some real application. That's right. And and that's a great reading plan as well in terms of a place to start is to just take the Psalms mm-hmm. and to read one Psalm a day, um, which works out well until you get to 119, <laughs> yeah. which is just is the longest. And it's one day a Psalm. It is. <laughs> um, uh, also, a, a couple things I would mention are to uh, to write in your Bible. Um, this may not be something you normally do. You may think it blasphemous. It's not, it's not or heresy. Or something like that. Um, but if, if if you want to, you can take notes in your Bible. And, and guess what? They make journaling Bibles. Yeah. Well, um, and the, the important thing to remember is what we said earlier. Folks have already written in our Bibles. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Those chapters and headings are not that's supposed true. to be there. That's true. Um, so th- that's something, if that's not something you do currently, it might be helpful to you, highlighting, writing, you know, underlining, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then finally, just meditating on the scripture would be a, a one step further type thing. Um, and this is something that throughout the history of the church has been significant. Christian meditation is, is, is Eastern meditation, but it is different from what we think of as Eastern meditation in that it's not about emptying your mind. It's about filling your mind with the scripture and, and then really like sitting with it. And um, the word rumination is often mm-hmm. used for the, like the, the idea with rumination is like just mulling something over, kind of chewing on something over and over again. And um, so uh, to me, Christian meditation looks like taking a passage of scripture and, and then just sitting with it for an extended period of time, either reading it over and over and over again or um, committing parts of it to memory and allowing those things to just fill your mind, um, just taking time and sitting with it and um, asking yourself what you feel like the Lord might be saying to you through it. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout this, we're going to give you guys uh, some different um, plans or thoughts or ideas about how to study the Bible daily. We've got one in particular known as the inductive Bible study method that we find to be especially helpful, but there are other ways to study the Bible as well. We'll talk about some of those in weeks to come. The the first part of this course will primarily center on what is the Bible, how did we get the Bible, um, how do we know that this is really the Word of God, and so we'll answer hopefully some, some questions related to the Bible's authenticity and historicity. Um, And then the second part of this course, we'll get more into just actual study. How do I read it? How do I interpret the Bible? What do I do with the weird metaphorical or symbolic passages in the Bible? How do I actually apply it to my life? Um, So we're looking forward to getting into all that stuff with you guys. Yeah. Excited about it. 
Very good. Uh, so I uh, hope you guys will join us next week. Um, we'll be talking more about uh, some misconceptions about the Bible. Um, what is the Bible not? What is the Bible? Um, we'll look at some popular notions about those things and uh, look forward to seeing you. I guess we don't see you guys. I'll uh, see you. I'll see you as well. Uh, look forward to joining you guys then.